Welcome back to Casting Nats Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Pastor Will Harley. I'm joined here by the always magnanimous uh, Pastor I have to Dave look that Rudolph. word up now. Magnanimous? Yes. Magnanimous. Very much like a regal person. Okay. Um, so, uh, and very gracious in, in, in all that you do. And so he is joining me here as, as, and it's just the two of us. So if you've been listening and you've been noticing that we've been having more and more people coming on the show and giving us their, their thoughts and opinions as they've been exploring different topics, um, now you are left with just the two of us exploring topics together as, as we continue our conversation. And I'm looking at a really awesome shirt that Will is wearing. It's got hell on it. And it so does. If, if you want to see uh, Pastor Harley with a shirt that says hell on it, see him today yeah and it's probably not the first time i've worn this shirt um and it's it, it's a play off of uh the got milk so it's it's very enjoyable and and it just says got jesus because it's hell without him um and so uh, uh in a society where we don't even believe in hell anymore right um you know maybe that would be a good podcast at some point talking about our our approaches to heaven and hell within the society narrative so I don't know exactly where we would go with that, but hey, it's something to put into the hopper. Um, as we said, we have in the last couple of episodes been dealing with um, some really big topics on uh, confirmation and di- the digitized church and kind of looking at um, how do we gather and, and the kind of instruction that we, we put together as we gather. And uh uh, today we're, we're going to maybe take a step back just a little bit and not not move away completely from how we gather, but maybe take a, a little bit of time to just sort of decompress from some of the heavy lifting topics that we've been doing and talk uh, about rural ministry. But before we do that, just the just our general disclaimer that it's just the ramblings of two pastors as we we seek to uh, live our lives under the cross of Christ um, and how do we do that amongst our people and and in private. Um, if you don't like what we say, you can turn us off. You can comment on, a, uh, on and bring your comments to us to let us know what we either said that was wrong or that you disagreed with. Start a conversation. That's what this is all about. And, and so hopefully we will be able to do that for you in your home as well as between the two of us. And most of the people that have talked to us have been doing, talking it face-to-face, which we appreciate because uh, um, it's good to be able to have that instant feedback right away and have an instant uh, conversation. But you can also contact us on our Facebook page and our email. You can email us, us at castingnetspod at gmail.com. Absolutely. And also, before we go too far, um, we have in the works another podcast that is is in its uh, in infancy stages, we would say, right? Infancy stages, um, and this one is a is a uh, the brainchild and and the uh, driving love of of Pastor Rudot. But we're excited uh, to to put in a plug for for when that starts. Why don't you share a little bit about what's coming up for oh, offerings? Well, um, I'm doing a family podcast called Past Voices, Present Sayings, and uh, it is a, a brainchild of. My father and my uh, grandfather-in-law, uh, they used to send audio tapes to one another 
Um, and so there's lots of conversations, lots of the wisdom that my grandfather, who was not a, not a pastor, uh, he had a very interesting past, and uh, he was uh, very, very passionate about the Lord and about the Lord's church and his family. And I thought, well, this is we something need to, to have someone listen to a voice of someone from the past uh, and all of the wisdom that he has there. Maybe there is something there. Uh, also, from my father, who liked to tape his Bible studies and his uh, sermons, I thought maybe this would be something for the family. But of course, if anybody else wants to uh, listen to it, they're welcome. I don't have anything up yet, but it's still in the infancy stage of just getting it all together. Well, I'm excited to see how that's going to turn out because. Um you know, some of the, well, learning from the faith of, of those who have gone before us is just an amazing thing to be able to do, which brings us actually to the conversation on the Royal Church. So uh, we're going to have a short little intro to our music and jump on into that conversation. Welcome back as we, we join our, our conversation here on the Rural Church. And to sort of give an idea of where where I got the idea to start talking about the Rural Church is, well, one, most of my ministry, I think I would classify it as a rural, and, and I, I should probably back, all but one, I would classify as, as a rural ministry. Um, I served in Algoma for for a, a time uh, for my vicar year. Algoma, that, Wisconsin. Algoma, Wisconsin. And that was uh, what I would consider a rural congregation, uh, not a huge town. Um, I, I did for a, a very short time serve in uh, St. Luke's in Kenosha, which is urban. Kenosha, Wisconsin. <laughs> Kenosha, Wisconsin. Sorry. should probably put the state. Um, but yes, that one was very urban. That was like smack dab downtown in Kenosha. Wisconsin, right over the border from Illinois, um, and uh, uh, and then I I went out to to in the middle of of South Dakota, you know, smack dab South Central South Dakota, and in, in winter um, with a with a town of oh three thousand people, um, and we were considered the big town within an hour and a half drive um, of of pretty much anybody, uh, and and at that time you were also serving. Yes, uh, so uh, we've also had this uh, connection where we have served in an urban setting and in a rural setting. My vicar year, I served in uh, St. Matthew in Appleton, Wisconsin. So that Appleton's a huge a metropolitan. they got a huge mall. Uh, it's urban. It was an urban ministry. Uh, I also served in our world mission fields in, uh, in uh, Japan, in Chichita, Japan. So that was you know half a million people. So that's an urban background. But when I was first ordained and my first call was out to eastern Montana where I served three of rural congregations. So one congregation was in a town of like 700 in a county of like 1,000. Uh, and the second congregation I served was in a, a town of 500 in a county of about uh, 1,700. And then I also served a third congregation which was on the Fort Peck Indian Reservation, which a, with a town of uh, 2,600 in, in a county of 10,000 uh, people. So both of, all three of those congregations, uh, I always said when I served there, it, it was like serving three different congregations. They had three very different personalities, three different uh, emphases and, and struggles and things of that nature. 
uh, but they were all in a rural setting. Uh, then I also, after that, I served in the middle of the South Dakota stand pat for Pierre, uh, South Dakota. That was the slogan that they used when Pierre was campaigning to be capital stand pat for Pierre. And that was a, Pierre was chosen because it was in the middle of the state. We had two competing cities on each side of the state of South Dakota. And they said, well, if we go more toward one than the other, then they'll be seen as favoritism between Rapid City or Sioux Falls. So they put the capital in Pierre, which is 13,000 people. Uh, very, the, this one of the smallest capitals in the United States. doesn't even have an interstate going to it. It's one of the two capitals in the United States that does not have an interstate going to it. But that was the big city. We we did I, we we, we drove. I remember in winter we would drive to Pierre to go to Walmart, and that was an hour and a half. We were going to the big city, big city Walmart. Yeah, we had yeah. a Walmart and a Kmart. Yeah, and we had actually we had restaurant choices there. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, other than just the Subway and the McDonald's that we had in town, and and you know the the probably the local cattlemen's right steakhouse thing. right. Um, we were able to go and and you could have an Italian restaurant. It was nice. They had yeah, they had Chinese even Chinese. They had uh, Japanese. Well, as you well. know, you've made it to the big time. Yeah, when you right. can have a Chinese restaurant. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's our definition for urban is Chinese restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> we set a low bar. <laughs> it, it was interesting in the, at, in getting ready for this podcast, just thinking about what is urban and rural because really we kind of know it when we see it. And I think people do have different definitions of what is rural and what is urban. Our Census Bureau has uh, has a definition for urban and rural, but it's been changing that definition in the last census. They changed it. So now there's two categories of urban. And basically how the Census Bureau looked at it says, if you are in these two categories, you're urban. And if you're not, you're, you're rural. Uh, so just two, either A or B. And the two categories, one is if you're in an area where you have over 50,000 people, that's urban, which I think we would all kind of agree that that's urban. And then they had this other uh, classification of urban clusters, which is uh, anywhere between 2,500 people uh, to 50,000 people, but it's in a, like a wider square footage area. But if, if there's uh, 22,500 people to 50,000 people in that square area, footage or square miles ra- ra- um, radius or uh, uh, circumference yeah whatever area um that's considered urban and i think will and i would say and i can speak for will sometimes i'll even speak for will sometimes he speaks for me and sometimes i'll speak for for him but just the idea of the urban mindset can be there even if the population is under fifty thousand people well, and, and I would even say that, you know, just like, and, and here's where the discussion kind of, to, to bring it into a place where we can understand, um, you know, you look at the, you look at uh, for tax records, what they say uh, the, the cutoff is for someone who is considered poverty and someone who's considered middle class and someone who's considered um, wealthy, right? And, and they would say that people making under, you know, um, 178,000 um, you know, those, those people accordingly are, are starting to approach lower middle class majority of us. And probably the majority of the people listening to the podcast are going to be like, if I had $178,000 a year, I would be, that's wealthy, right? We don't view ourselves as poverty or middle class 
um, making under that, right? We, we just view ourselves, I mean, everyone kind of views themselves as middle class or, or views themselves as, as that bar. Which is why politicians always talk about middle class because everyone can say, well, I'm middle class, even if technically they aren't. Right, exactly. But I think that same thing applies to the church. Um, and so in winter, in, in when we were in winter, it was a church of, of 3,000, or uh, not a church of 3,000, a town of 3,000. And we had we had uh, tons of churches, seven, eight churches in town, and we had the hospital in town, and we had um, a runnings in town, and until it closed, we had a shop go in town. And, you know, that was like the place, and we had, the, we had two supermarkets, um, grocery stores. And so... Everybody came. Everyone from the surrounding area came to that town. I would consider it a hub town. It wasn't like a huge town, but it was a hub town. And 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 I think in their head that was urban ministry, right? That was city ministry. Even though every person of the congregation was a rancher, they they all dealt with with cows or dealt with farm life of some sort. Um, they lived in that farm setting and farm community. You know, they all came out for tractor day um, mm-hmm. and rodeo and stuff like that. <clears throat> so it really was rural ministry, but the people thought it was urban mindset, right? Um, and I think this is where you you sort of get that that kind of push and pull in the ministry itself of how do we approach this which i always found was a was a was a tough thing when we would go to like mission conferences or when we'd have conferences because we'd have this smattering in our in our conference down in nebraska where a lot of them were urban like you have small congregations of 120 people uh you know or a normal worship of 80 or or whatever but they were smack dab in the middle of colorado and like the denver area um like in denver and that's urban. That, I mean, that's really urban. Or you have like the smaller congregations that were in Salt Lake City. And, and you know, or you would go down south further into Nebraska and you have like Norfolk, you know, and they have the congregations there. And, and, and it was very difficult for them to relate to, even though they were maybe small congregations, but it was very difficult for them to relate to what we were doing and what we were coping with in, let's say, winter or Cologne or... Uh, North Platte, you know, this, these smaller towns that were very, very much rural, um, even though they were they were towns, they were very, very much rural. And, and I think you had that sort of same thing in, in Pierre, too, um, because in, in North Dakota and uh, Montana district, um, you had that smattering where you had a couple really big churches or bigger churches in bigger town. And I use that quotes, bigger towns. Then you had a lot of like your first call right where you're in the middle of nowhere and you're you're doing ministry in all these little towns um yeah so i think the the struggle of a rural congregation is the um well i maybe i don't know if you want to go and talk about the struggles and then then finish off with the highlights or how how do you want to do that let's do it let's i mean i think it is good for them to for all of us to understand that that okay all ministry has struggles yes but there are unique struggles to a rural ministry yeah, one of the I think I found when I was serving in uh, in a rural setting in eastern Montana was just the lack of resources. Uh, just like like kind of like we were saying, where you go to a, a pastors conference and everyone's talking about uh, um, doing a school of evangelism or uh, you're getting congregation members to to pay money to go somewhere and have and bring somebody in to come and talk to you. 
Well, in a rural setting, you can't pay someone to come in. Like when the pastor doesn't serve as a pastor, you don't, there aren't, there isn't a stable of pastors for you to call from. So right. when you go on vacation, it's, well, either your elder is going to read a sermon that you pastor have to write, or you're watching a video, you tape a video of yourself. I, there was one time in, in uh, Montana where I was, it was right before we had to leave for vacation and I was taping myself services and it was like 10, 11 o'clock at night. And of course the, uh, the policeman, the county, the county policeman drives in and knocks on the door and says, you know, your lights are on, you know, cause he's really concerned uh, about what's going on. Why are, why are lights going on at 10, 11 o'clock at night? So they interrupted uh, the this, this sermon. So that would be my first uh, uh, struggle of a congregation in a rural setting. It's just that lack of access uh, to resources. Right. And you know, the, I saw on Facebook not so long ago, it was on the, the Zalesorger, which is a, uh, uh, one of those private pages for pastors, but they had put, no, it wasn't. It was on, it was on Wells, um, theological jokes. <laughs> and it showed a, showed a picture of the pulpit with a, uh, with a, uh, like a speaker uh, <laughs> sitting on it. It says guest, guest speaker. <laughs> guest speaker. <laughs> and I thought, I thought, you know what? That's so true. <laughs> he's in a rural, <laughs> he's in a rural congregation because I think you're right. You know, you, the, you are limited in in the amount of people that you can have to call upon to to serve for you and and you know like in in um in our circuit and I don't think it was any different in yours um we had we had 11 congregations being served by seven pastors um so we had a couple dual parishes and 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 things of that nature but we all have everyone wants church at the same time so i mean so if you could get somebody you know then you would have to say to your people well you know, your church service is going to have to have to be at like Saturday at, at, at a weird hour or or somewhere during the week. They're going to meet because they can come out and do that. Um, or you're going to have to make it later on Sunday or however you had to work that out. Um, <clears throat> because you have these, you know, your guest, the whoever you would bring in or who or if a pastor would drive up that far, you know, they had church at eight or they had church at nine. And you can't be in two places at once. And so it made it very, very limited in, in that way. But I, th- I think even beyond the, the limitations of resources was the, um, just the mindset. And, and, and I think, um, and, and maybe, maybe you didn't feel it or, or maybe you did, but it was the mindset of the congregation that, make, that, that makes rural ministry um, a different, a kind of a different, breed unto itself um in a rural setting it has been my understanding that the mindset of the congregation is not that they don't like ministry like outreach it's not that the outreach isn't the thing it is to an extent but i i think that in a rural setting you know ministry was uh and this is what i found ministry was bring your a game you know you you were always on as the pastor that that you, I mean, I guess my 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 impression of it was, Pastor, we understand that you're not going to be doing this Bible study over here, and you're not going to be doing uh, this meeting over here, and we don't have fifty million committee meetings, and we don't have, you know, um, you don't have maybe tons of people walking in off the street wondering what you're doing or what this building is. So we expect you to be on your a game whenever we are there. And so, you know, when you have a Bible study, we expect you to be prepared and ready to answer any question we might think of. 
And when you are ready for worship, we expect worship to be at a, you know, at 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 a, at a at, at a level where you know this is excellence in worship because you have the time to put that into preparation. Yeah, I would I would uh, respectfully disagree with that, but I would find one area of agreement where pastors shoulder a lot of work. I mean, you you come into that congregation and they say, Pastor, can you help with this? And Pastor, can you help with this? We've got some technology issues. Pastor does it, or you know, there's uh. Uh, you got to do all the bulletins. You got to m- print off everything. Uh, Pastor, can you keep all the records? And right. can you? Can well, you- that's part of that being always being on, always being prepared. You know, there was a leak in the in in the bathroom. Well, Pastor, you're the first line of defense. Yeah, right. You got to watch over, and make sure everything. Yeah, you know, uh, keep them at the. Ma- and when I was serving three congregations, the congregation where I lived in, where I, that the city where I lived in, they were more dependent on me for the everyday things. The other two congregations, uh, to their credit, said, this is our church. We're going to make sure that if if it rains, that there's no flooding in the basement, things like that, where they're going to make sure uh, that the lawn is mowed and all of that. So that would be uh, more of that. I don't know if I... In the congregations where I served, there was a real setting, there was an appreciation for a pastor, which kind of goes into the the positive, which we're we're not at yet. We're still talking about the mindset. One of the things I think about with the mindset of the rural congregation is the emphasis on relationships rather than on uh, status or on positions or 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 outward trappings of life. You know, you have this job, you have this title, uh, you have the cabin up north or something like that. It's more important in a rural setting of the relationship. So, like if you'd say if we introduce you know someone and say this is Bob in an urban setting. My, my, my opinion, my observation in an urban setting. This is Bob. He's the vice president of so and so and such and such. He's got this title. Da 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 da. In a rural setting, you'd say, "This is Bob. He is so and so's son. He lives over at the McLean's place." So yeah. it's more of a relationship. And I went to high school with him, and he did something so stupid. But you know what? We've been best of friends after all of that. <laughs> yeah. And let me tell you. And then the stories start. Right. Right. And then and then if you were anything like my members in the rural congregation, they would forget to introduce me as pastor and the language would start to go south. And then they'd say, oh, and by the oh, way, wait. he's my pastor. <laughs> and they're like, oh, oh, I will. <laughs> and it's like, well, it's nothing I've never heard before. <laughs> but no. And but here's the challenge on that. Because I think you're exactly right when when um, that that's part of it. You know, the, there there is the part of, of pastors the pastor's always on in a rural congregation because or in a rural setting because you you become part and parcel to that and everyone calls you pastor whether they're your member or not you are you become pastor to the community but that being said also i think it it plays against you because of that those relationships they they um, just like in your own home dear listener you know when when let's say your son or daughter or your grandchild they fall away from the faith and and you you kind of politely you hopefully remind them about worship and remind them about about um, you know, gathering around the Lord, but you don't push too hard because you don't want to push them away. That entire mindset is the town. That that literally that the entire mindset become. And that's from my from the from where I have hailed from, and 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 even. I would say even in sometimes my own in 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 Maribel because I would consider Maribel to be a rural ministry even though we have a school and things it's still a rural ministry and even though we're close to to uh, Manitowoc and Green Bay that mindset of you can't push too hard because 
I have to live with them in this community and, and, and we're friends and we, you know, um, but that was one of the things that was like one of the most difficult things to try to circumvent when, when you were sitting on the board of elders and, and we had a position of the board of elders and I think it was just there because, well, that was what a church had, not because they did anything. Because you would say, well, pastor, we have so-and-so who hasn't been in church for however many months or, or many years. And and I would sit there and, and they would say, well, pastor, you should go and visit them. You eat breakfast with them every morning. Well, yeah. Why don't you just say we miss you? Oh, we don't talk about that, pastor. That's, you know, that would ruin the breakfast. You are every morning, you're sitting with every morning, every morning. You know, I, I had one, I had, I, I literally, we had members that, that, uh, um, well, they really need to come to church for Bible study. Well, you leave, you leave the restaurant for morning Bible study. They're there. You could say, come with me. Come on, let's go. Can't do that, pastor. That would be rude. You know, there was this idea of, or the sense of, of pastor, that's your job. Your job is to do the, the outreach aspect of it and, and, and we'll point you in the right direction. Um, but you know, we, we can't ruffle the, ruffle those feathers. Yeah. Yeah. I think in the rural mindset, there's this fear of if somebody leaves that they leave for good. Right. So they don't want, so they're, they're kind of hoping for that magic bullet. And so they, they think and. The pastor is the magic bullet because he'll he'll get them to come because if I say something, they might leave and then they'll never come back. And then it's then But it's, then they won't talk to me either. Right. They won't talk to me either. But there's just this whole idea of uh, the rural mindset is that's what they struggle with is if if we upset something, then that person leaves and they, they're not coming back. And there, there isn't a pool to pull from to bring their replacement, so to speak. Uh, so that that there are. A rural congregation is more prone to that uh, p- power and politics, and it has a down. The, re- the relationship is obviously it's a good thing, maybe, and hopefully we'll be able to talk about that in the podcast. But it, the the negative aspect of it is the politics. People threatening, well, if I'll leave, then and everyone else scared to say, uh, it's scared to stand up for the truth because they um, they're looking. They have that mindset of survival of the congregation and the only way this congregation survives is if this person is either on the rolls which or in in church so we don't want to offend them uh, and, and let's talk about that because because and i think we've alluded to it in different podcasts and things and 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 actually one of our other hosts who's on hiatus right now um he used to say it all the time you know um your 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 assurance uh and the book of life itself is not is not the Membership, the membership role of the church that you're you say you're affiliated with, but but that's I think one of the things that and 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 I see this more. I I think it's more prevalent. Not that it it doesn't exist in an urban setting, but it's more prevalent in in rural uh, congregations where you have those family ties. So you have someone who is the brother of, or is you know related by marriage of, or is the great grandchild of one of your really faithful members who's always in the pew. And pastor, we can't do anything to upset because that's going to anger them and then, or anger her or him. And then they're not going to come or the possibility is they're not going to, you know? And so there's this, this, um, mindset, right? Of, of, um, 
posterity for the posterity's sake. You know, one of the things that drove me nuts is we were in a in the rural setting, and like I said, it's probably urban setting too. You know, you you look at the uh, who's on the books, and you might have on the books, you know, three hundred people. You know, you go, oh, we're a church of three hundred. You're not a church of three hundred. You know, on regular worship, you have sixty or eighty or a hundred. Um, you know, on a good day or on in in some settings, 160, 180. So let's just say half of half of that number is who you actually have as a member, and and in in not all but some rural settings they look at that and they think that's okay, right? That that oh we're that you, that's you know. our prospect list. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Basically. The prospect list is is all, well look at all those people that you even know their names, <laughs> and 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 then and then sometimes we're like well where are they? Oh, well, they live, they know exactly where they are. They know exactly what they're doing. You know, they, they know the exact last time they saw them. Um, very few, and, 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 and it was interesting. I was sitting on the board uh, for uh, the board of elders and we were going through the list and, and we narrowed it down. It was, it was about 50% of the list we would consider to be inactive. Um, and, and how are we going to go out and reach them? And then we look at that and say, okay, well, how many of them are still around? And out of the 50%, so that would have been, you know, 160, 10 of them had moved out of the state. So 10 of them were legitimately people who we could not reach because they had moved away and they were no longer within contact distance where we could serve them in, a, in, a, in an appropriate way. The rest of the people on the list were quite literally in the community, had moved from the farm into town because they got to an age where, where you know, and I remember conversations in the in in this setting, and maybe this is good, bad, or indifferent. But I remember conversations where, where I said to them, if they passed away, they're going to come here to try to be buried. I don't know them. And 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 the only way I could start getting the 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 elders to start really taking it seriously was when I I turned to them and I said, you're going to have to do the funeral. And they looked at me and they said, no. And I said, yes, because I don't know them. I, I have no idea who they are. I don't know what faith they have. I, I said, I don't know what it is they believe. I said, I can't in good conscience say anything. And then they said, well, then you should go and see them. And and, and then it was, well, then you should come with me. <laughs> and, oh, you know, those are challenges. So, so and, and you can harp on rural ministry and say that those are challenges, and, but, but rural ministry is, is also probably one of the best places I will ever serve. Um, I, I like challenges. I think challenges are great. Um, and I'll be the first to say urban ministry drives me nuts. Um, cities drive me nuts. Big cities just drive me, drive Meetings me nuts. Meetings drive me nuts. Meetings drive me nuts. <laughs> but, but, you know, for all the challenges of, uh, of a rural ministry, <clears throat> which there are many, and, and please, because we, we highlight some of these challenges doesn't mean that we don't love our people. Our people are amazing, and I think that's one of the blessings of a of of a rural ministry. Um, kind of switching focuses from some some of the trials and and things that we have in the rural setting, which is one last trial is, is you know as a pastor we we have to we have to manage our time because it's very easy in a rural setting to to say I don't have much to do, but. But really, you have just as much to do in a in a in a rural setting as you do in a in an urban setting because you're serving God's people, and God is give. And I've always felt that in an urban or in a in a rural setting, God gives you the opportunity to get closer to Him to serve your people better. 
Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Because uh, if, if, as long as we're transitioning yeah, now to yeah. tr- challenges to to pros of serving in a, a rural congregation, it's such a temptation for pastors and even for lay members to look at a pastor coming out to a rural setting and say he's just biding his time before he gets to the rural congregation or like this isn't really you're he's not really a pastor or even as a pastor you would say i'm not really a pastor unless i'm in an urban setting where there's you know lo- where lots of people are around where there's that chinese restaurant uh i i would where really, i can practice these real ministry things real ministry things yeah right. where this is where uh, ministry is really about relationships and in a rural setting relationships are huge I mean, they're important. And so here, if you are not good at relationships, you can work on that in a rural setting. If you like uh, people and you like relationships, boy, you can thrive in a rural setting because you have the time. You have the, you have the ability to, 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 to not just go and visit with someone for 20 minutes or a half an hour, but you can spend a day uh, with your members. Uh, that is really a blessing, and you can really form some strong relationships with him. I guess I get going right in, right into the pros, but uh, just to dispel that idea that rural ministry is something somehow inferior than urban, uh, just because is is a mindset that needs to go away. Well, and and you know, not only the the amount of time that you can spend with your people, but the amount of time you get to spend with your Lord. Um, yes, it is true, and and this is one of those things that we have to be very very careful of because we're we're sinners too in a sinful world. Um, we are given amount of we're given we're given time where we don't have have every minute of every day always you know pigeonholed for us. And could we sit down and say I'm going to watch a movie or I'm going to go for a hike or I'm going to yeah you could. And so there's the challenge right there. There's that challenge of saying um, I need to I need to be a good manager of my time. On the flip side, you know, I could read and, and, and I have an opportunity to prepare for my people. I have an opportunity to, to, you know, I'm a firm believer, backtracking a little bit, I'm a firm believer that your people can only grow as, 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 as high as the one who leads them. And of course, the, ultimately, the one who leads us is Christ. But we are Christ's representative in the corporate church, right? And if we as, as leaders of the church stop growing, Stop! Stop! Our understanding of the scriptures. Stop engaging in these things. Our people stop. They stop right where we are, and and or just below us. And and so you know the the abilities to stretch out and to do these things is something that's afforded to to people in rural ministry in 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 the smaller congregations because we have those opportunities to 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 do the research and to, to pursue those loves. Um, and to, you know, our, our members ask a question, you know, in a Bible study on a Sunday, we have that week to, to go and say, I can apply myself to trying to find this answer and ring it for all it's worth. And then come back and sit down and talk with them about it next week. Um, where you don't get that in that urban, you know, we, we had, we talked with some of those people from St. Mark's and, and from uh, the core, and, and their ministries are, are fundamentally different. You know, um, when we were talking about the confirmation thing, they said, well, when you have 70 or 80 kids in confirmation class, it's really hard. It's like, we don't understand that because I have, you know, a big class, eight. Um, you know, so it's one of those things where you look at it and say, you know, what a, what a rich blessing I have, which isn't afforded in an urban mm. setting, a rich blessing I have to get to know each of those people, each of those kids, um, their parents and their grandparents. And 
I get to interact with them, right? They come up for communion or they come up um, in worship and I can smile at them. They know who I am. They wave at me. You know, you don't, you don't get that in, in some of the bigger settings. What you said really resonates with me where you talk about you have the time to devote to your studies and things of that nature. Um, I, I, I will confess there were times when I was in Eastern Montana where I felt my gifts weren't really being used. And looking back, I said, that was my time to hone my gifts. That was my time. You know, you say, well, I can't go to seminary for uh, summer quarter. Well, you've got books, uh, Pastor Rudat. Why don't you read them? Uh, you've got, you have an internet. You can, you, there's things where there, you really have no excuse. You're just using it as an excuse, like you uh, were saying about managing your time. You still have to manage your time, even in a rural setting, because you can waste it. It doesn't matter whether you're in an urban setting where you get, uh, uh, I, I, I imagine, just the busyness of everything. You, you can waste your time so you're not efficient. And then also in a rural setting, you can... Uh, 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 spend so much time watching television or spend so much time with your family uh, that it uh, doesn't, that you don't spend time professionally growing as a pastor. So the the advantage of being in a rural setting is that you do have the the freedom to pursue your own uh, um, interest and things that interest you about serving in the ministry uh, and to ut- and utilize the time for that effort. Um, well, and, and I think, you know, ahead. and, and, and that's sort of what we've been trying to do here, by the way, on uh, dear listener, is as we've had sort of insight into some of our own conversations outside of the podcast world. One of the things that I know you and I have been trying to do is facilitate facilitate those opportunities within in in our circuit because our circuit is rural, by and large, very very rural. Even though we are close to cities, how do we facilitate um that that learning outside of what we would consider to be the corporate learning atmosphere of going back to um, you know, the seminary and driving down there to do that or, or sitting in a, in a, in a, in an actual classroom. And how do we do that? Well, you know, we, we get together and we do translation work together. We, you know, book studies, things of that nature. Um, how do we make this work so that we can better ourselves? And I think this is one of those things that a rural congregation affords to their pastor. Um, you know, there's, there's many, many things that a, a rural congregation that offer as challenges to the pastor. How do we, how do we get over some of these burdens or some of these challenges? On the other side, the, the rural congregation also affords an opportunity to their pastor to say, we want you to be the best you in the ministry that we, that, that, that you can be. And in, within reason, we are going to give you the opportunities to do that. Um, you know, one of the things I love about, about Maribel, yeah, I have, I have obligations at the school, you know, mm-hmm. I get to, I get to teach and things of that nature. Um, there are Bible studies that we prepare for, you know, that kind of stuff. But I mean, my, my time isn't micromanaged to the point where, where, um, I'm doing everything. One of the things that I love about being in Maribel and, and they do it so wonderfully is as my, my elders, my elders understand, okay, our job is to go and visit these people that we know. And pastor, when we need you, we will ask you to come. Um, be there for the meeting. Be there to help answer questions for us. Be there to do these things. But otherwise, by and large, take the time to be prepared. And and they afford me that opportunity to do that, which I am very, very grateful for. Sometimes I think that it, 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 it's the double-edged sword, right? They, they, live, they hear you every Sunday. They see you in Bible studies. They're like, oh, we already know him. And then they don't afford you some of the time to 
get to know them as much because they're like, well, we already know you, Pastor. You're our pastor. We we've right. made those connections already. Um, but but it is something that I think that we as and, and it is different in in an urban setting. Everything is fast paced. Everything is fast paced. I mean, uh, and that was one of the greatest blessings I learned coming from um, uh, Kenosha, which was a very everything was you know you were timed almost to the to the second. Um, and everything was happened had to happen now. It, 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 there was no, well, it's fine. It had to happen now. Um, get out to a, a rural setting, and and uh, you know, I just remember some of the comments that were shared with me that still linger in my head. Uh, one of them was, well, and this I don't know if it's a detraction or a good thing, but one of them was, Pastor, if you're worried about it, I don't have to be. You know, that was <laughs> okay, uh, good, bad, or different. But the other one that really resonated with me was Pastor, because because I would be working. You know, I got this to do, this to do, this to do, and I remember one of my members saying, Pastor. Just work on what you can work on. And then when the day is done, go to bed. And wake up, it's still going to be there. It's yeah. okay. The long-term. Yeah, they have, yeah. They have very much a, a good mindset on the long-term g- game instead of panicking because i got to get all this done today, otherwise it's all going to fall apart. Uh, there's none of that panic. There's more of the, well, it's going to be here tomorrow. The work's going to be here tomorrow. I remember one rancher was always saying, like, I got one good thing done today. And, and they consider that a success because usually when it means one good thing happened today, that meant like 50 other things didn't go well that they had to fix or they had, to, you know, something didn't go the way they planned. I got one good thing done today. Uh, and that resonated to me, with me as well in the rural setting. The, another advantage of the, uh, uh, of, for the rural pastor is the idea of community. You talked about that with your elders with, in Maribel. I always appreciated that. I had just had to get over my own insecurities by saying, Okay, we have this person that I've never seen yet. Tell me about him, and your your members can tell you the whole history of that individual. They'll tell you whose son that he was, who he was related to, where he went to high school, uh, what is this, and and what is that, and his personality, um, and it gives you really a good picture of the individual. So that when you do go visit, uh, in in my case. They, we didn't have a board of elders, so they asked the pastor to make those visits. So when I came in, I at least had some information about this person rather than a pastor going in completely blind um, and not knowing anything about the individual or not knowing how to prepare for that conversation. So that what I really appreciated about a rural uh, setting is that the community and the family. Well, and, and but at, and again, you know, like in I think more so in, in a rural setting, there's the double-edged sword to that because they can, they will also tell you in those stories, he was faithfully, he was a faithful member. He did this, he did this, he did this. And then pastor so-and-so said this and he stopped coming or well, at least, you know, the history, like you <laughs> right. have something to build off of <laughs> rather than just going in saying, Hey, you haven't been in church. And you're like, well, well, you know, and this individual right. is saying, well, don't you know what happened 20 years ago? I have no idea. Exactly. And, and, or, 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 but, but, you know, and rural, rural congregations have long memories. They have really long memories. Um, you know, I had, I had members who were offended by something that one pastor said, um, you know, I don't know how many times ago and it was years, years ago. Um, and you go and you talk with them and that animosity is still there. Um, and which offers a different challenge. And, and um, you know, you had to say, I'm not him. We're, not, you know, we can start this over again. 
um, and try to, and, and that was a good challenge, you know, to, mm-hmm. to, to figure out different ways in the community to share Jesus to people who said, well, I heard that already and I don't like it. Did you hear it? Did, did you really hear it? Or, or did you hear what you wanted to hear? You know, the, <clears throat> or didn't hear what you wanted to hear, right? Sure. On the opposite side of that. What the other thing I like about a community is that they respond much faster to things. Like if something happens to somebody, then the church family says, we got to go and help this person. So you don't, they don't come to pastor and say, well, we have to do this and they have to form this committee and we have to get this organized. We have to have this meeting, da, 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 da. They all just do it. And like so-and-so was in the nursing home. I went to go see him. Oh, that's awesome. Or so-and-so was, uh, was having, had a fire. We went out and helped them. It was the, they respond much faster because they're acting as if God, as, as God's family should act in, in caring for one another. Yeah, we saw the ambulance down at so and so's house. You know, Pastor, did you know that that happened? Yeah, I was there. I I got it. Oh, good. Well, I went and visited with them. You know, you might want to check on them again because I think they're a little down. Um, you know, there was always that. Yeah, that that was part of the community, right? That was that. Uh, again, though, you know, in all of these wonderful things that we're saying, there's that double-edged sword because church is not just community, and and so there's that. Sometimes in a rural setting, it became the that that really church became the focus of the community, um, and so church becomes the the community outreach center instead of this is where God's gifts are brought to God's people and then from there spread to the community. Um, and so you know there was always that there's in in every rural setting there's the juggling. There's that juggling of we want to be the hub, right? This is a good thing, but realize what are we the hub for, right? We're, we're, we're the hub for God giving his gifts. This is where he promised he will, he will give his gifts. God is giving his gifts to us to use into the community at large. Um, and so it, it's, it's this, it's the, it, let's use trickle down economics. <laughs> the gospel doesn't trickle. The gospel doesn't trickle. The gospel doesn't trickle. It's like a flood. And it just but it comes from the church and then works in us and, and then goes out. Um and, and that's part of it. But I mean, even when I got here, that was one of the things that was said in, in Maribel was um, you know, church is where I get to see the people that that you know I don't get to see throughout the week. I get to associate. It's my social time. Um, and, and church was that in rural communities for the longest time. And, and, and they are, um, you know, it's, but it's, it's the compartmentalizing that we have in, in society as, as well. The same people that are going to sit in church, they're going to go to the baseball field and watch the kids play. And they're going to sit next to somebody who hadn't been in church and they're never going to bring it up because that's a different compartment. And, and it, it's a, it should be the same. It should be the same, but it, it, it isn't because those are the challenges of the ministry. Yeah, you keep going back to challenges, Will. I do I keep because trying to bring in the positive things. But but they, those are the positive. See, and this is and this is one of the and and I'm going to say this. Um, so all of you, uh, dear listeners, you can even approach me on it. The challenges are what make rural ministry beautiful. You know, there are positive things, but you know what? The the things that attract me to rural ministry and 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 really, if if I had my way, and if God is God God is good and gracious, which He is, He'll keep me in rural ministry. The things I love about rural ministry are the challenges of rural ministry, because the challenges of rural ministry are are the things that I think keep a pastor at the top of his game theologically, 
and keep him at the top of his game, fighting in the front lines of, of the very mindset of it's not just about family. And family isn't just blood. Family is those found in the waters of baptism, those who, who God has gathered around you to care for. That, that loving somebody isn't just saying, but I know what they believe and I don't want to ruffle the feathers. It's how do we, how do we impact their life so that we can bring to them um, through the lips of one sinner to the ears of another sinner the, the, the wonderful message of, of a Savior who loves them and, and is there for them in their life. How do we do this in a setting where everybody knows everybody and all of their dirty laundry is known by everyone? That is the challenge, and it is frustrating, and yet it is beautiful. It is a gift that that every pastor should have an opportunity to be engaged in because it's not just the nine to five, and it's not just the okay. I've clocked out. I go home to my to my house, and I'm shut off from the world. It is an opportunity. And it's not just about the numbers. It's about people. Yeah, it's not about the numbers. It's about people, real people. Um, not about, oh, well, someone just came into my, and then I forget about them. No, it's, they came into my door. They, 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 they came to me for help and I'm going to see them in the community and they're going to, they are going to judge me on the information that I give and the, and the demeanor that I have and, and the type of reception that they received. Um, they're going to be sitting in those pews when one of my members enters into the pearly gates of heaven what is it that they're going to hear and how is that going to impact them? And, and I, and I, I served nine years in, in South Dakota and quite literally, you know, funeral after funeral after funeral, um, people, not my members coming up, pastor, we love coming to funerals here. Where do you have, where else do you ever hear that? Pastor, we love coming to the funerals here. Why? Because, the message is so, it, it's just so uplifting. It is, it's not about them. It's about Christ. You know, it's, it's always about Christ. It's always about, and then, and then you get into the community. You're, I mean, I, back then, you know, the only restaurant in town, you, everyone was there. I was there six o'clock in the morning. I was eating breakfast there because that was the, that's where you could sit with people. And I'd be sitting, I'd just walk in, I'd sit down and people would just come up and sit and say, Hey pastor, how are you? They're not my member. And I at first I was like, I'm not your pastor. And you can call me. No, everyone calls you pastor. You know, but that's, you find out that's a term of endearment. They don't, they don't call everybody that. You know, they, they, they call you that because whether they believe what you are preaching or teaching or not, you have that opportunity to bring a hope and comfort that they are not hearing somewhere else and you've done your job. I have always appreciated in the rural setting of always being on. Like, And what I mean by that is that you're always a pastor. It doesn't matter where you go. You're always a pastor. I think it was something that I, I didn't necessarily always um, appreciate at first, but I really appreciate it now. Where now I'm always conscious of where, no matter where I am, I am a pastor. I, I want people to see that when they look at me, they, they, there's something different about this guy. And that's a good thing. There is something different about you. <laughs> yeah, there is something different. Uh, we, <laughs> the podcast for next time is what's different about Pastor Dave Rudad? <laughs> oh, how he can count the ways. <laughs> uh, uh, we can bring my wife on as a the oh, guest that would be that. a wow. <laughs> okay. Give her an opportunity to talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just the fact that you're... Uh, I don't think our wives should ever come on this podcast. <laughs> uh, 
Um, <laughs> there, you're always on. So that's a it's a it's a good thing because then, like you say, like when people you get to have those conversations with people that are really meaningful and the conversations that really matter. You're not just talking about the weather. You're not just talking about the football team or the or the high schoolers and their sports and what's going on. You're talking about things that really matter. Uh, and for myself, um, I really appreciated that, and that's something that I carry with me. Just trying to conduct myself in a way that people can see this is a pastor who's walking among them. Uh, and maybe that is in how I dress. I, I don't dress like a used car salesman. Uh, I'll dress like a pastor. Well, and, and actually you dress better than I do. I, you know, in rural ministry, one of the things that, that talking about dress as we, we come probably to our close here, one of the things I found out that, that helped me the, the most in my, in my ministry setting was I dress like the people I serve. You know, because when I went out to visit them, I could join in with them. You know, I yeah. I, there's always a there's always right. You know, you're trying you're trying to be approachable in a small kind of, in a small area in a rural area. They know you're the pastor, so necessarily the dress isn't always that right. I was kind of speaking in terms of how do I how do I bring this rural mindset that I liked. It sure. didn't matter where I went in in Montana or in South Dakota. Well, in South Dakota it was more of an urban setting because it was a town of thirteen thousand, but in Eastern Montana, it didn't matter what I was wearing, people knew I was a pastor. But now, uh, you can hide. And I just don't like, as a pastor, I don't like hiding. I want to be able to sit, people to say, there was a preacher here, or there, not a preacher, there was a pastor here among them. Whether they believe me, whether they listen to me or not, they'll know that guy was sent from God. Right. And, and, and this is, and, and I think this is a good opportunity just to say this is where, where Pastor Rudat and I differ slightly in, in our approach because um, if you ever interact with me, I, I don't wear the colical collar ever. Um, I, I dress up in a, in a tie and a suit when it's Sunday. Um, otherwise, you probably wouldn't know me unless you knew me from, from anybody else that you would pass. Um, and I kind of like to live that way. I, I like to live in the shadows so that, that hopefully through the way I live, someone would say they were a Christian. They don't have to know I'm a pastor. Um, because quite honestly, you know, that's one of the blessings that we have. Um, and, one of the, and one of the things we try to teach, and, and this is one of the things, in my opinion, we try to teach our people. You don't have to be a pastor to be able to do this work. You, you don't have to be able to, you don't have to be a pastor to be able to, to share with somebody. Yeah, there's sometimes a, a being a pastor is the, yes, you need that. But I can go out and live my Christian life among other people as a Christian. I, I Yeah, you're right. We're, we're different in that respect because I really would not want to have meaningful conversations with people and not just talk about the weather and then eventually maybe get to, to Christ right. and Jesus. But I want to actually be, and in, in the way that you dress, so oftentimes fast forwards past all of the, the small talk into talking to things that really matter. Absolutely. But I think we're, we're, we're both trying to get to the same place where we want to bring Jesus to people in different ways. Oh, absolutely. And I'm not, I'm not discrediting that at all. I just different approach and that's okay. And that's okay. But you know what? It's one of those things that we have in the, in the rural ministry that, that um, is interesting that, that we can do because in a, in an urban setting, you, you are, you're more the professional all the when you're when you're clocked in you're the professional when you clock out you're not necessarily um in our setting we have that choice and and we can you know it's kind of neat it it is kind of neat um you know it it is kind of neat and it doesn't offend me at all when when a member walks into the church and you know I have one member even now who walks into the church calls me will 
And, right. and, and he, I think he does it because everyone else calls me pastor and might not even know my name, but he knows my name. And, and it has, he has, it's not a lack of respect. He's, he doesn't view me with any lack of respect, but it's just, it's kind of, it's, it's a neat thing that you get in these settings. I would rather have someone either call me by my first name or the title, but not the first name and the title, not pastor Dave. Right. Uh, I'd rather just be, if you're going to say pastor, say pastor. If you're going to say Dave, say Dave. Um, if you want to be, you know, if you, if you say pastor Dave just doesn't, to me, it just, it has an, a connotation that it just really rubs me the wrong way. Uh, just to, the idea of trying to, I'm trying to be folksy. I'm, I'm the pastor that's folksy. And I just don't, yes, I am the pastor that's folksy, but I just don't want that to be like uh, pastors are not really pastors unless they're folksy. I don't know if, if I'm saying this the way that I want to say it, but. I don't know, Maybe Pastor Dave. <laughs> <laughs> See, I should write a book on how to influence people. <laughs> no, as how, we come how to, to aggravate people, how to <laughs> yes, push their buttons. How to push their buttons and aggravate. No, um, you know, if you have an opportunity, and and I and this is my challenge to you listeners, um, if you have an opportunity, take a minute and um, if you are one of our members or if you're a member of another congregation that's especially rural congregation, um, take a minute and just sit down with your pastor and tell the stories of, of why you love being in the congregation you're in. And, and, and so if you're my member, tell me the stories. And if you're, you're Dave's member, tell him the stories. Um, because those are important parts of, of, of our ministry together that we get to hear them. And, and that is an amazing part to walk together with that. Um, so until next time, uh, I wish you God's richest blessings as you continue to have these frustrations in the ministry of a rural setting and yet find ways to bring Christ to all of the people working in the fields and working with cattle and behind the steering wheels of tractors and, uh, and everyone else in between. <laughs>